Um, this week's episode is Amazon's latest show, Truly Invincible. We close the doors on Superstore and is a Nintendo Switch Pro on the way. All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. It is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend. It's our own Joshy Josh of Humanican Media and Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to catch what he's doing today at his shows, Topicocalypse and the Super BS Gamescast. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? What is going on? It's been a Big week for uh, releases. Seems like that's been kind of a pretty constant thing here lately. Kind of seen some good stuff coming around. And we will be talking about a new latest release for a good show that's come out. Amazon's Invincible, an animated show, adult in nature. So you can't let the kids watch it. But it's an animated superhero jaunt, which we saw the first three episodes to. We're going to talk about that coming up in a sec. Plus, we are also going to be talking about Ghost of Tsushima. A new movie's being adapted. Good idea or bad one coming up on the show. We're also going to be talking about a lot of things when it comes to the GameStop board. And after the GameStop stock fiasco and all that, the GameStop board, I think according to Josh and according to several news reports out there, has checked on out. So we'll talk about the future of GameStop coming up here in a sec as well. We've also got, speaking of video games, a possible new Nintendo Switch Pro in the future. We'll talk about the prospects of that and what we would like to see with a new Nintendo Switch coming up as well. And of course, I mentioned earlier, as far as in the intro, the end of Superstore. It happened last week, one of my all-time favorite shows, and I will go into more depth on exactly why this is a show that ended too soon and what it brought to the table for American broadcasting coming up later in the program as well. What you been up to as far as pop culture is concerned? I've just been trying to keep up with all of it. You know, I was telling my wife earlier that like this is a uh, it's hard. It's, there's so many things coming out at once that like I've been pretty busy this week grading papers. I'm a teacher and all that. But like if I stop watching things for one day and like say I want to play video games that night, and I sit down to play video games. I stop watching something for one day. I fall several hours behind on television. It's absolutely insane. It is absolutely insane. So, I mean, you cannot go ahead and take a day off because if you do, you're going to miss something. You're going to miss a lot of stuff out there. So it is going to be something we're going to have to keep up to date on. And we try to the best we can here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. You can't take a day off. I can't even take a night off. Still got to be checking, still going to be scanning because if you miss something, you're out and about and people jump on it ahead of you. But Again, there's so much to cover, and we try to do that here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, and we cannot thank you enough for your support in doing so. But one of those new pop culture outlets is from Amazon. And with The Boys being such a massive hit, an adult superhero series of another kind seemed to be well in order. So I want to hear your thoughts, man, on Amazon's Invincible, which opened up late last week. I got a chance to check out the first three episodes. I know you got to check out some of it as well. What are your initial thoughts on Amazon's Invincible? So Amazon's Invincible, I had read the comic book. Like I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the comic books. And who's the, uh, the writer of Invincible? I'm trying. Oh, it's it's Robert Kirkman from The Walking Dead. Yeah. In fact, there's a ton of Walking Dead cameos, regular characters that are from The Walking Dead. Stephen Young, the Academy Award nominee, he is the lead character in this. J.K. Simmons is in this. I mean, there's a lot. Mark Hamill also makes an appearance as well, but a ton, absolute ton of 
Walking Dead actors are involved in this from Lenny James to uh, Sonequa Martin-Green. Just do, do the names go on and on as far as the Walking Dead fans out there. The TWD fans, I'm going to support yeah. this you know, wholeheartedly. But I want to hear your thoughts on Amazon's Invincible. So, you know, it's funny. I sat down to watch this last night, and at first glimpse, it feels like a Saturday morning cartoon. When I was a kid, I would wake up early, get down on the couch, get my bowl of Fruity Pebbles or whatever it was, and I'd sit there and I'd watch like Spider-Man and the, the animated adventures of Superman and Justice League when that became a thing. That's what this felt like. It had a nostalgic feel to me. Yeah. And then as I'm sitting there watching this, like I start to feel about halfway through the episode, I started to feel like burnt out on superheroes. Like I and I, I, I thought to myself, like, is this because I'm being oversaturated with superhero related media right now? Because look, we got Falcon and Winter Soldier, WandaVision just came out. There's the boys. Um, you know, I'm, I'm watching Daredevil with my wife. And I sat there wondering for a minute, like, is this due to like superhero fatigue or what's going on? But then I realized that like, you know, and I kind of realized this when I was reading the comic books, but it has a lot of elements from superhero stories that have been used before. You know, you look at it, it seems to have like it takes a lot from Superman. And it takes a, an awful lot from Dragon Ball Z. You know, you look at the uh, the planet conquerors. Right. It, or and which Dragon Ball Z, I, I'm was I'm pretty sure inspired by Superman. Just looking has some young movie. Avengers thrown in there mm-hmm. and a murder mystery to boot as well. Yeah. So. yeah. so there's so many elements from existing superhero things that have been incorporated into this. And like, I guess seeing it on screen really brought it to life. And I sat there thinking when the episode was over i thought to myself like i don't know if i really want to watch any more of this and like i remember being surprised by a lot of the events when reading the comic books but just seeing it on screen made me feel like like i just i didn't need to see it in this type of media does that make sense yeah it makes sense it's something that i like i don't overly enjoy it but i i I have positive vibes on it i will continue to watch it there's still some type of, like you said, detachment from what we're seeing since it's not live action. Maybe uh, I don't, it's just kind of weird to explain as well, but I like it, but I don't love it. I, what I'm seeing so mm-hmm. far is what I'm trying to say. I, I'm enjoying it enough to keep continuing to watch it, but I'm not enthralled by it. I'm not encaptured within the universe yet. I, I think a lot of it is, is still forced uh, upon us as far as it's concerned. A lot of the superhero tropes that were there in, within the confines of it were kind of unnecessary. And I wanted to mention as well that speaking of superheroes, I'll come up later in the back half of the show with my daughter, Ellen Glassford, on our thoughts on episode two of Falcon and Winter Soldier. But getting back into Invincible, I think it's good, but I think it still has got a lot of work. It needs a lot of help to get to a higher level. Yes, and I I agree with that, and and I don't I mean let me ask you this: Do you think that it's due to if you notice an invincible right? He does his. There's no tragedy with his origins, right? Like no. there there is a tragedy, but like as far as him developing his powers, like his tragedy doesn't happen until after his powers are developed, as well. Yeah, I'm sure will be present in the next couple episodes, but with him, like he didn't have to like work for it. He didn't have any type of like yeah. dark occurrence happen they just like happen right he's at work and he has a trash bag and chucks the thing into space and goes oh cool like he was expecting it you know there's no like it's because of his lineage i mean he was told that it was going to happen and they were it was how you know for him it happened later in life as a as as a teen as someone in high school usually happens earlier i guess for people who have his lineage per se because his dad comes from another planet one scene it's not there one scene it's there and then he goes right into training and nobody's really excited about it but it's just like okay we're gonna go ahead and do it and then some other things happen as far as the serious nature of what's going on and with jk simmons character omni-man and does something that we don't really get an explanation on the pieces are there to make something really special but it, it needs to be developed a lot more in upcoming episodes yeah did you watch all three episodes i only watched yes. the first one but like i know where it's going right where like he yeah. fights his dad and then there's it's basically the dad is from a race of like planet enslavers you know exactly like the saiyans and dragon ball z yeah. but i hope that they latch on to something that truly makes his character special like even his suit they had made this big deal about wanting an iconic suit in this story and it's there's nothing really iconic about this character at this moment in time so like yeah. i really 
hope that you know on this media format that they develop the character they like they make you care about the character and i know that it might be hard and that maybe like you said we're feeling detached because it is a cartoon but again that's just the way they chose to make this show so that i hope that they you know find a way to really make you care and feel for this character well there's no way they could get this kind of star power on a live action format absolutely oh, no. no way they could have got them all together with all the different projects that these individuals do so i mean that's i think one of the the things that brings people in is just this huge all-star cast that's in there especially if you're a walking dead fan you're you're going to see a lot of people but there's still a lot of names that are not uh, in the walking dead that are still there that are, you know like mark hamill and jk simmons that are big names john ham is in there as well so i mean there's a lot of these big names that are in there lending their voices and i think that's what what is going to bring people in initially and what's going to keep people in is just again the development of the story and the murder mystery and the things of that nature that are behind the, what's going on in this you know superhero realm but I don't know. Again, it's just still a detachment for me. And will I ever grow to be very fond of this show? We'll see. We'll see. I like what I saw, but I don't love what I saw. I think it's probably what I'm trying to say at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, if you are out there, you know, and you like Invincible, I would recommend reading the comic books. The comic books are equally as graphic as this, but kind of give you a, a, a bigger taste of like what to expect as you watch more and more of this show. And they are very well written. It was just shocking to see all that stuff happen in like a, a live motion format. You know, that I think that's kind of what took me by surprise on a lot of this. But again, the comic books are good. So I'm hoping that they find a way to really make you latch onto the character. But I will probably watch more of it. But it's just it's not the top of my list of things to watch right now. What are your thoughts out there on Amazon's Invincible? Do you feel invincible when you watch it? Or do you think there's a little bit of, uh, maybe not so many great things about it, or there's some weaknesses there that you need to see improved upon? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, Check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. Well, my friend, there's still much more to talk about on today's program, including some interesting board changes happening. In fact, I think did the entire GameStop board this week after the fiasco with the GameStop stock and all that, did the entire board just check on out? I don't think it's the entire board. A lot of them are on their way out. Like, is the CFO was leaving? Yeah, that um, I heard before. Our good friend Reggie, you know, Reggie we, Flame. We, we tried multiple times to get on the show. He's just a busy guy. Yes. He's stepping down from the GameStop board after just being there for a year. The former Walmart CEO, William Simon, and PetSmart presidents and CEO, James Semantic, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Yeah. They're stepping down. And so I'm wondering, uh, I mean, obviously, you know more about that biz. Just the CEO that just came on from Chewy. Chewy he's Ryan staying Cohen. on. Yeah, he's staying on. He So th they think that this is a move by him. Like yeah. he's he's trying to push GameStop into a more like digital focused stores. So they're still going to have their in-person stores that sells collectibles and games, but they're trying to make a big push for like online sales. Everyone keeps comparing them to Amazon, even though they're two like completely different companies. But I mean, they've they've been there online for years. I bought stuff off of, of GameStop oh, yeah. online. It's just their presence is just not what Target or Walmart or Amazon no. is. And when you compete against those individual companies, and they can get it to you faster than what GameStop can get it to you, it's going to be hard to compete on that level, personally. Right. And to me, like what will drive me to say target or amazon as opposed to gamestop is the fact that if you buy a used game from gamestop.com there's no guarantee that it's going to come with the case you know they they have those little in, in the description game may or may not come with with game case in amazon they show you a picture of what the used game looks like target they show you or walmart they show you pictures of what like the used games look like gamestop doesn't do that so that's the only thing that would drive me elsewhere but 
other than that, like I think that GameStop really has the potential to have a big digital presence, to drive people from Target to GameStop or from Amazon to GameStop. They just have these little tiny things that need fixing. What are your what? thoughts? Because you you ran a video game store. So what yes. what does it take to to be successful, especially, you know, in 2021? Well, first of all, you got to be active within the community that you're reaching out towards. That's the thing. You can't just have it even that. And this goes for online, too. You can't just have a site pop it up and there you go. You've got to be active in the community. Tell people that it's so important to be a part of your experience. Tell them why they need to stop by your location. Tell them why they need to stop by your online site. With GameStop, again, I'm behind the eight ball on that because you can go ahead and, and advertise. But when Amazon, Target, and Walmart are spending millions and millions of dollars already on advertising for their online stores, again, you're caught behind the eight ball on that. You have to go ahead and pitch it to the gamers. Pitch it to the gamers hard as far as GameStop, once again, becoming that destination as it once was in the last part of the 2000s. In the earlier, what, 2011, 2012, 2013, where GameStop was the place to go. Then through matters of getting online, downloadable games, and then also just GameStop and the way they treated customers themselves, they've fallen on hard times the latter half of the decade. And that's by their own doing. They just didn't adapt as well as times. And that's what you see a lot with these brick and mortar stores. I mean, I have been with two major brick and mortar stores in my life that could not adapt to the ever-changing marketplace and both fell by the wayside because of it. So yeah. GameStop is, for years we've been talking about on this show that they've been hemorrhaging money right and left, losing hundreds of millions of dollars. And it's just something that they've never been able to, to catch up with. And, and within the eyes of gamers, you have to change them as far as their attitude towards it. Because right now they could just go to the PlayStation store. They can go to the Xbox store. And Xbox Games Pass doesn't make anything easy for them as far as GameStop is concerned, because with one price, you can get over 100 games right yeah. now at your leisure that you don't even have to go ahead and buy at GameStop. So that makes it even worse for them. So with that subscription model, or if you go to Steam, you can go to Steam and they're running sales all the time. That makes it so easy to get on a lot of these games that they sell at GameStop. So the challenge is there, my friend. I, I'm just, like I said, it's, I wasn't trying to, to be mean to you or anybody else out there that took advantage of the GameStop stock price. Oh, know, yeah. High. Of My yeah. concern was the store and the company itself. Was it benefiting the company? And we see two months later, after this all happened, that it hasn't helped the company one bit. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, my thoughts on that is, you know, you were talking about Microsoft and GameStop, right? They had some kind of contract worked out where they're minimizing yes. the Sony section expanding the xbox section there's supposed to be more coming out of starting quarter four i think so i don't i don't know when we're going to see stuff from that i know gamestop was rumoredly uh having discussions with steam over something so i don't know what that's all going to look like in regards to the stock i own six and a half shares of gamestop and you know, I, yeah, I've made some money off of them, you know, and I every time the price goes down, I'll like sell and then rebuy in once it like hits the the bottom of that valley. But, you know, the, everyone keeps thinking that there's going to be like a big squeeze or, you know, whatever you want to call it. You know, it's funny. All the chatter on the Internet was like it was like the hardest earnings conference to, to yeah. get into. There's like legitimate journalists that could not get into the conference because the uh reddit investors were were you mean, you're talking about their earnings report that they have yeah, their, quarterly, yeah. their quarterly earnings report mm -hmm. that they're supposed to have for their shareholders yes yeah, so they're uh, you know i just i kept reading things where journalists were having a hard time like getting access to this um this tell them to buy more shares right so you know and they didn't really like say anything they just kind of gave you an update on what's happening and then the next day the stock dropped by like 120 dollars and then Eventually on Friday, it started to slowly like crawl its way back up to what it was. So people still have hope in it. My disappointment is the fact that GameStop themselves did not take the time to really use this Reddit frenzy to their advantage. Like they didn't, no, no one took the time to, because I don't really think that it's the, the people investing. I don't think it's their fault. I think it's the fault of like GameStop that nothing really came out of this because they didn't take the time to like say, hey, you're supporting us. Let us support you. Like they didn't. There was no connection between the two events. And I think that that's kind of weird. And it was a thing that they, I don't know, they just, they lost a golden opportunity there. 
but the people investing still have all this faith in them. Well, let me ask you this when it comes to, you know, going to GameStop and it was nice. Some of the investors buying them lunch, going in, there's certain GameStops yeah. buying people kids lunch or giving them a hundred bucks or whatnot. And that's, that's nice and, and very genuine of them, but it doesn't help the overall thing. It doesn't help the overall company as a whole. And what I want to ask you this, when you're talking about the optimism from GameStop, I don't think you're talking about the company. I actually think you're just talking about the stock and not the company itself. When I when I hear you, I hear about your, your optimism for the stock more than I hear the company itself. Because I still think we are in the same situation we were in when we talked about GameStop a year ago, when you started buying it at such a low level, is that the company is still hemorrhaging a lot of money and still not figuring out a way 100% out of this mess that they're currently in. Well, to me, I think that they're kind of connected. Yeah, I mean, right now, like, I'm very hopeful the stock will go up because that would be awesome. Well, they're not the same. They're not one of the same. The stock's rise doesn't hasn't led to the company's rise. No, it's, it's no, not... and that's, that. you know, that's what I was saying. Like, they didn't yeah. take advantage of this whole situation, which they could have, I, I think they could have done some stuff that would have changed how they look right now um, had they had they like connected the two events at all, but uh, they could have bought people... more shares as a company in themselves and then sold it off to provide boost, at least right. pay off a lot of that debt. Hey, so, there's a start. So that's actually something they're talking about, right? They're, they're talking, there's supposed to be some meeting coming up, but the people in chart on the GameStop board, they have all these changes they want to do. And they're thinking about selling stock in order to get the capital to fund those changes. And there's a lot of people who, after reading that, had commented that, like, hey, GameStop's a good long-term investment because there is hope for them. And so I think that the outlook on the company itself is slowly changing, mm -hmm. but we're not seeing a lot of that happen instantly, you know, it, it, and it's it's all, like, hearsay at the moment. So, I mean, unless in the next couple of weeks we get some kind of big announcement on what the company's doing, it's hard to believe any of it, you know, until we actually see it happen. Well, it's going to be something interesting to see how this plays out. And I don't mean to be hard on GameStop itself. I mean, as we have been for many years now, I mean, you, you were a loyal fan of GameStop and basically they ran you out because of their customer service, which you had kept saying, you know, and I, I went in there and I've had experiences where they just didn't have game knowledge. When you're asking to go ahead and pre-order Uncharted 4 and they're asking you, which console is it for? Like, it's only on PlayStation. You don't know this. You're supposed to be the expert. So, I mean, that's yeah. something right there that has often plagued them as far as concerned. They're, they get in the individuals there, you know, the, the, a lot, yeah, they're supposed to be knowledgeable. They're supposed to be courteous and they're just not there. There's, they're just there to pick up a paycheck and a lot of times for there. And that's something that that mindset has to change it, the, for yeah. years. It's been deteriorating in GameStop and it has to change. Because all these brick and mortar stores, I mean, GameStop could just one day just say, we're going to get rid of uh, brick and mortar stores because we've seen that with other retail outlets. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Right now, like it because they closed all the all the Think Geek stores have closed down. So right now it's just a matter of time until that happens. But then again, like they were kind of onto something with what they're doing. Because you go to like the malls, right? You see the Hot Topics have all yeah. the collectible stuff, the anime shirts and all that stuff. Uh, Box Lunch is another company that has the collectibles and the the pop culture clothing so like they yeah, don't get me started on box lunch because i walked into a box lunch the day the day that blade runner 2049 was number one of the box office and i asked did you have any blade runner stuff and she said what's that and oh like, my gosh geez that's like when when people ask who pearl jam or nirvana is it just makes me nauseous yeah so i mean uh, it's you know you walk in a pop culture store and they don't know pop culture that irritates me yeah. as well so Anyways, like I said, it, it, we're, we're going to have to see what's going on with GameStop. I don't mean to be a pessimist when it comes to GameStop, but no, I, again, not. I've seen stuff that that's happened that has trended down for the company for over a decade. I'm the person that has to see it to believe yeah. it in order to, to see GameStop going in the right direction. And if they want to go ahead to an online fully, uh, you know, or at least an online majority direction, they're going to have to make a lot of changes and they're going to have to impress a ton of people that already have a lot of convenience and a lot of ways they can buy their products already. So the mountains there, my friend, and I don't know, we'll see, but GameStop certainly has a challenge in front of them. And I know it's pretty daunting.
But what are your thoughts out there on GameStop's changes and the future for GameStop as a whole outside of the stock? The stock, I know everybody's watching, but what about the company itself? Let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, quickly before we hit the break, and then my conversation with Elowen Glassford on episode two of Falcon and Winter Soldier, I want to ask you real quick, my friend, on The Ghost of Tsushima. There's a movie now in an adaptation in early production. Sony has greenlit this. And I think of all the productions out there, and you know I'm a big fan of, of hopefully a Mass Effect production coming alight with Henry Cavill as the lead. You know, we've talked endlessly about the Uncharted movie, which I'm not in love with with Tom Holland, but I'm glad to see Uncharted coming to fruition in some form or fashion. Would love to see Scott Eastwood actually play that role of Nathan Drake, but then again, another story. You know, the Sonic the Hedgehog success. I want to ask you this. Ghost of Tsushima, to me, and its story and the, and the world and universe it created, and you've played the game. I really think of all the video game projects out there, Gears of War, Halo, the whole nine yards as far as a series or movie, I think this could ultimately be one of the best. Yeah, and this this might sound very contradicting, but I think for it to be successful, they need to not advertise it as a video game adaptation. I don't because, blame you. I would too, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, it. Uh, the game you is... Pigeonhole it, right? Because right. yeah. then you're... Well, and people are going to have expectations for it. This game is grounded in historical context. Like, it has all the places are real, the wars are real. I'm not sure about the characters, but, you know, it, it's grounded in a historical setting. Like, it's based on a story around events that were actually going on. So that being said, they should use that to market the film, like market it as like a Kingdom of Heaven or a Last Samurai type project, as opposed to like from the creators of Mortal Kombat. Like you said, don't pigeonhole it, you know, make it make it seem like something that is being made for people who like historical epics. Right. Right. If you're a fan of Gladiator or Robin Hood or again, Kingdom of Heaven, whatever it is this is a movie that you're going to want to watch. Like don't advertise it as being based on the best selling PS five game. Cause I think that that's going to be what really drives the project into the ground. That being said, directors Ridley Scott for sure is the first one that comes to mind, but I think that it should be a Japanese director. I agree. As, as opposed to a, a white director. Like look at Mulan had the potential to be such a beautiful film and they just totally messed that up. It's a very like culturally sensitive story, and I would hope that they keep it in line with what it is, you know, what it's meant to be. And that scares me, you know, the possibility of them not doing that. They're like, oh, let's get Quentin Tarantino on this thing. You know, I just I don't want to see that happen. Ghost of Tsushima is a top rated game. It was one of the highest rated games of last year, but it's a game that's not well known yet, not well known outside to the general public. Yeah. So marketing it as a video game movie pigeonholes it to that. Uh, you know, I think it would pigeonhole it into the fact that you know people would say, "Oh, it's a video game movie. It's going to be dumb. Mm-hmm. It's going to have some dumb action." And there you go. If you just pitch it as a movie, straight up movie, and very loosely tie it in, you could create the whole story can be based off the video game. Oh, for just sure. have that video game story per se. You know, obviously it's very good. That's why they're why they're utilizing it. But if you advertise it as a video game movie, I think you're just narrowing your audience. Yeah. I think if, in this case, you should go ahead and just pitch it as Ghost of Tsushima and, and go from there. Because if you go ahead and you just confine it with, with space and say it's a video game movie, I think a lot of the general audience says, well, what's Ghost of Tsushima? I don't know. I never played the PlayStation. What's, you know, yeah. going yeah. that, all that comes into play and it just it becomes too confusing for and bothering for people. You know what? Just go ahead and pitch it as a Ghost of Tsushima movie, point blank. Yeah. Yeah, and I completely agree because that's I think that's a lot of the reason video game adaptations get so isolated is because people go, well, I didn't play the game. I don't have any history with it. That was the big downfall with the, the Warcraft movie. Do you remember that? Like yeah. you, They gave you no backstory on it. They, they, you went into there with them assuming that you have played, you know, hours and hours of Warcraft. They barely gave you like what the lore of the story was. And because of that, it it fell hard on its face. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm interested to see what happens as a Ghost of Tsushima movie develops. Of course, I think it should remain as far as within that cultural spectrum, 
you know, Asian director, Asian writers, it should be within the realm of that world of culture. I think just to make sure you get that authenticity down pat and the mm -hmm. spirit of the game intact. But we want to hear your thoughts on a possible Ghost of Tsushima movie coming to life. Pop Culture Cosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, coming up next, it is Ellen Glassford. She's going to share her thoughts on episode two of Falcon and Winter Soldier. And then we return right after that with Josh and I talking about a Nintendo Switch Pro, possibly. And then also as well, the end of Superstore. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Video game box art, the stories behind the covers in which we talk to the illustrators and artists who are responsible for gaming's most iconic images. Don't forget to check out Video Game Box Art, the stories behind the covers, celebrating gaming's most iconic images from the people who created them. This and many more from Rob McCallum Films. All right, and we're back on the program. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Well, it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without talking about the hottest show anywhere right now. And that's on Disney+. Plus. It is Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But here today to talk about episode two and some spoilerific things that are happening within it is a great girl indeed. You got to go ahead and check her out every time that she's on the program each and every week right here at the pop culture cosmos. She is the premier pop culture expert in the Glassford household. It is Ellen Glassford, and Ellen, great to have you back on once again. Your initial thoughts on the second episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I really liked it. I'm glad to see Sam and Bucky finally together. I think this episode really did a good job with the story and a lot of good action scenes, and I really enjoyed it. I did as well. I thought it was a, a very good episode. I was kind of geeking out, as it were. And as I, I noted to you, I was really getting excited about this because of their banter back and forth. I, I really enjoyed that part of it. For me, I thought it was not forced. I, I really enjoyed it as far as their, their back and forth. I think it's something that's, if Marvel fans are aware of their situation, you know, as far as their competition towards the affection of Steve Rogers during those movies, and ultimately not liking each other during the course of what happened in those movies, but ultimately having some semblance of respect for each other. And then by the end of the episode, they're firmly working together to find out what's going on with the Flag Smashers. I felt it to be an advantage for the episode. When you look at it, I mean, obviously you were not familiar with the buddy cop movies of the 80s and 90s or the buddy cop television shows where there's a banter back and forth. Did you enjoy the banter back and forth between Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I really did enjoy the banter between Sam and Bucky. Sam and Bucky, you know, they don't really like each other, but they have to work together to get the job done. And I think that presents a really interesting combination there. And I think the writing was great for their banter and Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan both did a really good job. And I thought it was all really funny and very good. One of the things that Falcon and Winter Soldier did once they found out of the existence of these Flag Smashers and their super strength, they decided to go ahead, well, at least Winter Soldier did, and inform Falcon the existence of Isaiah Bradley, who was one of the original Captain Americas. So I want to hear your thoughts on Isaiah Bradley, how he was introduced and acknowledgement of him and what he did previously in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. About Isaiah Bradley, I think that whole story is just heartbreaking. I've heard and seen that it has some real-life parallels as well, but it's just really heartbreaking that he had to go through all those experiments and fight and all those wars and the government put him in jail and that for 30 truly, years for 30 years. And that's just truly awful and heartbreaking. And Carl Lumbly, I think the actor is, he did a really good job conveying that all Absolutely. the sadness in his face and everything he's been through. And it's just really heartbreaking and such a sad truth and a sad story that, 
not only applies in the MCU, but also applies in real life. Again, I liked and appreciate the fact that they did introduce his character, of course, under the circumstances that he was brought into and to see in the MCU, his character, the way he's been treated by the government and 30 years of, of imprisonment, you know, that part is, is truly, like you said, heartbreaking. And I'd love to go ahead and see some type of goodwill by Falcon and Winter Soldier, especially Winter Soldier, who he cannot stand in their, in their meeting. Obviously, when they faced each other and actually uh, Isaiah was responsible for ripping off his arm at one time during their meeting back in the 1950s. So I'm hopeful that there will be a great resolution for his character, because I, I agree with you. The actor who played Isaiah did an outstanding job of conveying the hurt and the anger and the anguish that he's felt for so many years and the betrayal by the country that he fought for and that he loved so much. So you're right on that one. And. I'm looking forward to seeing, hopefully, within the six-episode arc, Eli Bradley is some of that I know you wanted to talk about as well. So Eli Bradley, as the grandson, will hopefully play a key role going forward. But your thoughts on Eli Bradley? Eli was there for just a split second, but I was super excited to see that. I'm really excited to see the Young Avengers in the MCU. They're all very cool in the comics, and they're obviously setting them up. And I'm really excited to see them. If you're not familiar with Eli Bradley, he actually joined the Avengers with no superpowers. And later, after being injured in a battle, he received a blood transfusion from his grandfather, Isaiah Bradley. And then that gave him the super soldier abilities. And I'm really excited to see him and the young Avengers in the MCU. Well, maybe something like that will materialize in much of the same fashion for Eli Bradley with help from his grandfather, Isaiah Bradley. So I'm hopeful there's going to be a good resolution arc for them. Near the end, Winter Soldier was arrested for missing his date with his therapist. And upon the conditions of his release, he had to meet one last time with a therapist. And she invited, or actually kind of ordered, Falcon to be in on this discussion. So they had a sit down together and obviously that led to some more shenanigans between those two and and the the therapist was truly again very brilliant in her role as she was last week as they came out of the police station they did have a conversation with u.s agent who it was there with his cohort as well and they were there saying you know what they want to work together to, to beat the flag smashers but falcon and winter soldier the only thing that they can agree on is that they don't want to be partnered up with u.s agent and as they leave, U.S. agent gives them a threat and says, you either fight with me or you fight against me. And it's not going to be pretty if that's the case. So we're going to get a little bit more of a sinister turn, so to speak, looks like for U.S. agent because he's not Captain America. But before we head on out, I want to talk about something that they name dropped and that you saw at the very end of the episode. And that is they wanted to find out more about Flag Smashers and they're trying to relate it to something that they used to deal with in Hydra. And they thought, who better to go to that knows more about organizations like Hydra and the Flag Smashers than Baron Zemo? So I want to hear your thoughts before we head on out on the possibility. Well, very much so because we saw him at the last seconds of the, of the episode and your excitement or non-excitement over seeing Baron Zemo once again. I'm excited to see him. I'm excited to see how he interacts with Sam and Bucky, considering how basically Zemo ruined Sam and Bucky's lives even more. Yeah. Um, how Zemo ruined everyone's lives. Uh, all of the Avengers. It's his fault the Avengers split up and then everything happened. In Civil War, how the Avengers split up, but also... The Avengers not all being together to stop Thanos and stuff. That kind of stems down to Zemo in a way. But I think it's going to be really interesting to see how Sam and Bucky have to get help from Zemo. Well, I'll tell you what, I am looking forward to it because I love that Baron Zemo character. It's as far as how even without superpowers, he can still manipulate everything that's going on. And I look forward to him doing it again. I mean, in the trailers, it's already shown him out and about. So somehow he gets out of the prison setting that he's currently in. But it is Falcon and Winter Soldier, Episode 2. We're so excited to see where it's heading next. 
One last thing, Elowen, and that there's four episodes left. It's only six episodes. I wish there was more because I'm having so much more fun. It's not all over the place for me, like what it's been for WandaVision. WandaVision was like a roller coaster ride. It was like here, there, and everywhere for me. But with Falcon and Winter Soldier, I know exactly what I'm getting. So I want to hear your thoughts on the way out on your time spent so far with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'm glad and happy with everything that we've gotten so far in this series. I think that they've made very good use of the time, and I'm super excited to see where the series goes next. As am I, my dear. As am I. Once again, it is Ellen Glassford, my awesome daughter. I cannot thank you enough, Elowen, for being on the show. I look for more updates and opinions and thoughts as we go forward with Falcon and Winter Soldier and more updates on your thoughts on the world of pop culture right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. And we're back with the show. It's the Pop Culture Cosmos. Before we head on out, I want to give a big thank you to my daughter, Ellen Glassford, for being on the show, talking about episode two of Falcon and Winter Soldier. But my friend... There's a little thing on the way that could be happening. I'm assuming it's going to be announced in and around E3. But since Jason Schreier, who I I would call the leading video game investigative reporter right now that's out there because he's done so many great stories and gotten so many scoops out there, he has reported that a Nintendo Switch Pro is on the way, talking about 720p, talking about uh, you know faster chipset, yada, 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 you know, bigger, better, better, all that type of stuff that you see with upgraded consoles. And of course, you know, ultimately they haven't talked price yet, but you know it's going to cost more chunk of change. So I want to hear your thoughts on a Nintendo Switch Pro. Is it something you want? And is it something we need? I've been talking to people about this, right? I've I've been asked this question a few times and my answer is this, like if we're going to do a, a pro, right? It's going to have 720p or it's going to, you know, we're going to see higher frame rates and all that. We need something from bigger developers, right? Like Nintendo has some cool stuff obviously because they're, you know, they could basically not have any games come out for a year and people will still love them. You know, we need to have some mainline Assassin's Creed entries hit like day and date of release. We need bigger games, you know, because like right now, everything on the Switch is very cartoony. So I don't really see the point in upgrading my Switch to have better graphics on something that you won't really even be able to tell that it's happening on. So if we're getting a better console, we need bigger games and bigger titles dropping on the same day as, you know, the other consoles. Because if we don't have games that are actually going to utilize this new tech that it's supposed to come out with, I don't really see any point in having it, you know, because again, like a lot yeah. of you look at Mario, Super Smash Brothers, Zelda, like all the games are very cartoony. So you can't really even tell that you're getting higher frame rates or your your picture is better. Like there's no point in that. Yeah, there is no point in that. I mean, to me, I, I don't see it as a huge I got to go and get it, you know, type deal, because like you said, most of the games that Nintendo produces for it are of an animated nature that looked just fine on the Nintendo Switch, and it really won't do wonders for anyone out there. Maybe make Splatoon 3 a little bit faster. Maybe some of these ports, you know, the many ports that you and I have talked yeah. about and laughed about, about trying to put Skyrim in there. And it's 2010 game, still 2011 game, excuse me, still, uh, you know, chugging along Nintendo Switch. Would it make it a whole lot faster? Would it make it a whole lot better? I'm not sure, man. I'm not sure if just giving it a better, little bit better chipset is going to do the deal for Nintendo Switch. I think it's going to take something like an, uh, an actual overhaul and bring out an entirely new concept of console for Nintendo in order to go ahead and get all these ports working a lot better. I mean, is it for that or is it for Nintendo's games? I'm not sure because Nintendo games seem to magically run fine on the Nintendo Switch right now. I don't think Nintendo really has to worry about graphical output because 
they're already going to dominate the market anyways. They could put out like a game where Mario is painting the walls of a bedroom and people would still, it would still sell a million copies. Wasn't that Mario paint? Is that a real thing? I just, I was just talking. Mario paint is a real thing. thing? Really? Wow. Okay. Yes. uh, There you go. Right there. (laughs) Welcome to the world of Nintendo, my friend. Yeah. (laughs) Anything they can slap a Mario name on, they're going to do it, man. Mario tennis tomorrow cart the whole nine yards but it is going to be looking like that in the not too distant future because again jason schreier of bloomberg has reported that there is a nintendo switch pro on the way better chipset 720p in the horizon for it which again i know doesn't do everybody wonders out there if they've got a xbox series x or a playstation 5 right now with 4k on their television and they're doing with all the hdr and and shading and lighting and things of that nature it's not going to you know, overwhelm people when you hear that, but at least it's a step in the right direction for Nintendo Switch. The only thing I got to add on to this, and we'll go ahead and close out this conversation, is the price, which obviously is the biggest concern for me because the $200 and $300 price ranges for the Nintendo Switch and the Nintendo Switch Lite, that's a nice pocket size, nice priced unit. It just, it fits in the comfortable zone. And it's been there and it's sold well and it's done really done it's done great for nintendo so far i'm seeing this as probably a 400 dollars price range as far as maybe a 399 unit i don't think you put a new chip in there and upgrade everything on it and just throw it for 50 dollars more than the regular nintendo switch or maybe you bring the price down of the switch and the switch light but i don't see that happening either no and like when you you look at it like this you're paying 400 dollars for this system you might as well buy a playstation 5 or a series x yeah. you know it, it's not especially if they're not going to take the price of the existing consoles down then you're again you're paying a hundred dollar difference for something that you're unless you have you know like a top of the line tv and you're you know what to look for like you're not going to notice any changes well it's going to be something to see that's very interesting uh, Again, later this year, the bundle packages that are going to be out for Nintendo, and they always do that with Walmart, GameStop, what have you, there's going to be some bundle packages that are introduced out there again for holiday packages. Those are going to probably be attached to the Nintendo Switch or the Nintendo Switch Lite because there's still so many out there in the wild. I mean, they may add a package for Nintendo Switch Pro, but I see them still trying to push the Nintendo Switch come come this Christmas. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, because let's be honest, right? We're not going to see another Nintendo console for probably a minimum of three years. And so this is kind of what they got at the moment. And it doesn't matter. Even if they didn't come out with this, like this Switch Pro model, we're still going to see Nintendo dominating the market. All they need to do is put out a Mario game, put out a Pokemon game, put out a, a come out with a new Donkey Kong or something like that's all that's all we need to see from them in order for them to once again dominate the the console market for the season in honor of our good friend rob mccallum how about they name the next system the nintendo quest (laughs) that i mean that would work honestly well they would probably have to go ahead and talk to rob about some copyright issues there first but maybe some licensing things and things of that nature but I'm sure nintendo and him could reach a financial settlement to his liking on that if that happens But we want to hear your thoughts out there on a possible Nintendo Switch Pro. Are you interested in getting an upgraded model of the Nintendo Switch you might have already? Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. I know you and I are hopefully going to be back on for Thursday's show because I know, and congratulations again on the fifth wedding anniversary to our good friend Marcus Garza, but He's going to be stepping out for this week, and I know you, hopefully that you'll be able to step on in, but what are you going to be working on this week, or, or what are you checking out? Right now, like I've got a lot of projects that I'm elbows deep in. I just It's been hard finding time, especially like during the school year. Once school gets out and i got a summer ahead of me, I'll be able to start pushing more stuff out. Here's a little bit of what's going on. Like I've, I'm working on something. You know, We're working on our top 200 gaming show coming out You know where we have... You know, we're breaking it down VH1 music video style where we're talking about the our games and we got some cool narration on them. 
topic apocalypse is going to be coming to an end and we're going to have five packed episodes called the topic apocalypse apocalypse and so it's going to mark the end of an era that a journey that started in 2017 so that's going to be fun and i'm also i also got a project that i would like to have you know make some progress on here come in the summer where i'm going to be examining different video game franchises and movie franchises from the from years past so as soon as i'm able to make more announcements about that i will uh, be sure to let everybody know but yeah man it was just a you ever like look at all the stuff you want to do and you're like oh, man i don't have enough years in my life to get all that done i hear you my friend i got a lot to catch up on as far as the writing is concerned for popculturecosmos.com so i've got to go ahead and get that time as well so i definitely hear you on that one but before we head on out, my friend, I wanted to go ahead and pay homage to a television series that ended its six-year run this, this past week, and that was Superstore. I know it's something that if you were a follower of the show, you've heard my conversations with Jessica Boggs from the TV Ratings Guide, and I hope she's well. I know that she was in the, about the area where the tornadoes were happening in the South, so I'm hoping for everybody out there that they were, they're okay from the t- recent tornadoes, but I wanted to go ahead and touch on Superstore one last time because I think for me, it's been a very special show. And I've been watching situation comedies since the late 70s to date how just old I am. Uh, I mean, going back to as a kid when I saw Mork and Mindy, Nanu Nanu, you know, I was watching, you know, stuff like Laverne and Shirley, Happy Days, which were the, the number one shows of that time, MASH which dealt on a lot of social issues as well. And of course, evolved into Cheers and everything through the 80s and then through the 90s and, and up into today. And of course, the, the success of The Office as a truly tremendous situation comedy as well. I do want to go ahead and pay homage to Superstore. I know it's a show that not everybody caught, but it did have millions of followers and, and it did earn a lot of ratings. Uh, oh, Bell Booth. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? Great to have you here from YouTube. Thank you so much for joining us. Truly appreciate it. But before we head on out, I do want to pay homage to Superstore and say thank you for the past six years. It's been a great storyline. And while the basic storyline is it's not that much different than you've seen in many other sitcoms where it's a man and a woman and where they will they get together, won't they get together, the supporting cast and the stories that they were telling as far as from a social relevance cultural relevance, the stories that they wanted to portray. They often emulated stories that were out there in the news on politics, on immigration, on the workplace, on unionization, on basically the structure of the way the world was is you know for the past six years. They had a very long-running commentary while they were still trying to make you laugh. And of course, for me, it was always special. And it got me a hook in first place because I was uh, worked at when I was a younger man and also managed uh, big box stores like the one portrayed in Superstore. So for me right there, that was the, the buy-in, but to see this whole world and universe develop right afterwards when I saw it and the ensemble cast was just one of the big pluses of the show in and of itself. But I will, I'm just going to say from the heart, my friend, that this is truly one of the best shows I have ever watched and it will be sorely missed. Yeah, I mean, so I've only seen a few episodes. My wife's a big fan of the show. You know, she's always telling me about it. I, I'm going to talk from, like you had mentioned your experience in retail. I, I have experience in retail as well, like having worked for Best Buy for seven years, uh, if I remember correctly. You look at these people who work in retail stores, they are people who've often like been beaten down by circum- their circumstances, right? Like they've they find they're they're still finding the strength to to move forward each day, and like a lot of people who work in these stores have really interesting stories, and they just they find themselves in the unique position of uh, being able to, you know, talk about these stories with people who are just say like passing through, and uh, you know, looking at a sto- um, show like Superstore, I can totally see how that could be impactful to people like how there are millions and millions of people who are working retail out there and i can see why this show would have such a a big impact on them well i'll tell you what it's been something that's very very important in my life i had to catch every episode uh, from the second season on i caught it and the first season i i I caught up on but 
I'm going to be watching again. It's one of those rare shows that will always leave an impression with me. Uh, I'm usually not the biggest fan of sitcoms. I watched all these sitcoms that I've talked about over the years, and I don't really laugh at very much of them because they just the humor you're only so limited yeah. by what what broadcast television can do and show you but superstore always found a way to make me laugh and make me chuckle and that to me was something special plus it told the stories and cultural and it had such a cultural relevance and you know i think even with the pandemic they were able to handle the pandemic better than virtually any broadcast show that's out there and the way that they, they went and structured their show around it and for someone like me, like you talked about your time with Best Buy, I worked uh, and I managed, uh, I was a general manager for wards and they went under and also a, a manager for the good guys uh, and they went under, but they were big box stores that had very many relationships or very many individuals like the ones you see in Superstore. Now, mind you, the ones in Superstore, the characters in Superstore are amped up to 10, but I knew people that were very similar or had similar traits or had similar characteristics of many of the individuals on that show. So they're, they may be exaggerated, but there's still real life people out there that I interacted with that I hold dear, very dearly in my heart. And I have relationships still to this day from some of those you know, big box stores that I worked at. So yes, that's something that I hope that gets left behind is that you know these people worked together for so many years that you don't necessarily have to go ahead and break up and move on with your life and that you can always still have these people in your life if you so choose to. But the cultural relevance and the stories that they told and the the comments that they wanted to make on society will never be lost on what I watched with Superstore. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, who knows? Maybe we'll see a revival of it eventually on Netflix or Hulu or wherever it might be. But All and... six seasons are on Hulu. Uh, yeah. There was talk about a couple of the characters getting their own series, but NBC has uh, quietly announced that it's not going to be developed. So uh, they're saying as of now, Superstore's closed. Kind of disappointed with that. I think it still had a lot of life, although America Ferrara, the lead, she left being a full-time individual on that series at the end of season five. That usually sets the doom for it as far as it's concerned. For any show and any series, when your lead character leaves the series, she did come back for appearances in this last season, including the last two episodes, which was greatly appreciated and helped bring a true closure to the series, which not all series get. But I think my time in Superstore, I wanted more of, but unfortunately, it doesn't look like we're going to get it. What are your thoughts out there on Superstore? Did you love it and enjoy it as much as we do? Did you have the type of relationship with the individuals there much in the same way that you would with individuals who may work with in out there in life and the work that you have or in your retail store, if you're familiar with that type of you know, vocation and like me and Josh, we had those retail type of relationships. Did you enjoy it and relate to it? Did you enjoy your time with Superstore? Let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, my friend, I know there's a lot of great things up on this week coming up. We, I spent some time at WonderCon. It was actually pretty cool going there and checking out all the things that are going on. But I know Comic-Con is coming late this year, and it's actually going to be live. So that's some great news for everyone out there. But any last thoughts on the way out? I mean, I'm going to try to catch up on a lot of the things that I have missed in regards to pop culture stuff coming out. Uh, really great Comic-Con's going live this year. I know that was something a lot of people we're assuming was going to be canceled still excited to see what you know e3 has in store for people and all the summer gaming conferences so i have a feeling once april gets here we're going to be just bombarded with announcements about everything video or movies games all of it well i'm looking forward to hearing all about all those announcements i'm looking forward to hearing everything that's going on in pop culture looking forward to seeing what transpires and you'll hear it and you'll see it first Please follow us at Pop Culture Cosmos on your social media. Check out all the stuff that we do as far as our tabletop role-playing games almost every day on Twitch, Facebook, and YouTube. And of course, we always take care of you on the latest news and information in pop culture right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening, and here's hoping you have yourself a great